Ethereum and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Tracy Murda on behalf of Richard Jacob here at Future Tech Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to welcome special guest, Joseph Kelly, co-founder and CEO of Unchained Capital. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having me. Well, let's jump in, Joe, and start talking a little bit about, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got started with the whole blockchain technology and Bitcoin. Sure. Yeah, happy to. So I've been an entrepreneur for the last eight or nine years, and my first company was a technology startup I co-founded with two other co-founders here in Austin. I was in the big data technology space. It was called InfoChimps, and we ultimately provided a uh, kind of a hosted data analytics platform for large Fortune 500 companies. Uh, so it was a great experience for us. We sold that company in 2013 to Computer Sciences Corporation. And uh, really along that, that, that time period, uh, we had heard about Bitcoin, my co-founder and I, and we'd gotten excited about it as a, a new technology, new potential. Uh, but it was only after the acquisition we found ourselves um, in a position to, to buy a little Bitcoin and, and sort of have a stake in it and learn more about it. And also have the time for it. So that that that's say around 2013 is yeah when we kind of really dove in head first and uh, we talked a lot about you know, what kinds of projects we'd want to start next. Um, looked at various kinds of companies and in different industries that you know, could use some of our maybe big data skills and things we'd learned in that company. Uh, but we kept coming back to to Bitcoin and and the blockchain. Just found that there's too much potential here to ignore. And yeah, so that's that's really what uh, that we spent probably two years. Um, you know, in that sort of exploratory mode and really landed on this idea behind Unchained Capital, um, say, early last year, early 2016, and um, kind of from there, really dove in deeper on the, the actual due diligence and um, you know, customer interviews and technological feasibility and the, all the aspects that led into us uh, kind of building up our minimum buy product over the last year and a half. I'm just curious, Joe, too, and take no offense to this, but I, you guys have found a lot of success at, I mean, a relatively young age. And are you, do you think a lot of it has to do with your success has to do with the fact that you're, you're younger guys, you're in Austin, kind of a in younger crowd in terms of, you know, the, the knowledge of Bitcoin and the acceptance of this whole new world and space that we live in? Do you kind of get um, a sense that that is part of, you know, what has made the, the transition to success for you all a little bit um, easier, dare I say? Well, thanks. Yeah, I think uh, definitely. 
age can have something to do with with these kinds of issues. I think uh, people can point to that where you know, a lot of startup founders or technology company founders can can be younger, and you know, probably a reason for that is just it's easier to look at these things sometimes sort of fresh eyes, and you know where you have uh, systems and ecosystems, especially in finance, that are somewhat ossified or have just evolved uh, in somewhat or uh, if they're not arbitrary ways, they've evolved in ways that are maybe you know, for reasons no longer relevant. Uh, just because the technology that we use at that time just doesn't exist, and um, but people still conduct business in that way. And so, yeah, sometimes it's easier to come at these industries and problems just with a fresh set of eyes and and say, no, well, well the real thing here is is you know X or is blah. Like, and then this is what we should be paying attention. This is the kind of first principles based argument for how something should be, and it's just done some other way only for historical reasons. And yeah, I think we we sometimes have an advantage for being able to do that, you know, not to discount experience because. Um, that's something we, we seek out a lot whenever we enter these areas, too. Sure. So tell our listeners about Unchained Capital. What was the, the vision behind it or the ultimate goals? What did you see out there that the world was lacking? Sure. So we, uh, as, as ourselves, as I mentioned, kind of had, had bought some Bitcoin. Um, and we, over time, really tried to evaluate, well, what do we do with our own Bitcoin? And what do other people do with their own Bitcoin? And the, pretty conclusively, the number one answer was nothing. We had just sat on it. Uh, it was kind of a speculative investment, uh, so to speak, something we felt like had long-term potential, would likely go up further in price. And in the you know, friends of ours or other individuals we'd meet that also have Bitcoin, that story rang true. That's the same kind of pattern that they were in. And then uh, uh, with the Bitcoin blockchain, one of the fantastic features of it, of course, is that you can actually go and download the blockchain. You can look at yourself. You say, what happens to Bitcoin? How much of it moves? Where does it go? What are the kind of characteristics of how this you know, money uh, flows through the system. And you could say pretty definitively that 60% of all Bitcoin hasn't moved in the last 12 months or more. And so this is a pretty stable trend. This is something that's kind of been in place for many years. Um, and so it's a, you know, I wouldn't say it's a super well-kept secret. It's definitely an um, open secret out there, say that just a lot of people are hoarders in Bitcoin and, and prefer to, to sit on their assets versus transact with them. Um, and so as we kind of looked at that pattern, we thought, Huh, well, you know, here's Bitcoin a, a year ago at only maybe eight to ten billion dollars of total overall market cap. If sixty percent of it hasn't moved in the last year or more, that's you know, six billion dollars or so worldwide of this you know new capital asset that no one's doing anything with. It's not um doing anything in the real world, it's not advantaging anybody, it's just sitting there in cold wallets. Um and so we thought that that was you know, both a maybe perhaps a problem and an opportunity that uh in through a lot of history, as you've had any large pool of static capital amass itself, whether it's in the form of real estate and homes or whether it's in the form of you know, private company stock, uh, things that you know, can't be uh, traded on, on exchanges and, the, and whatnot, you usually have uh, products that, that surface up and, and become available to those people to sort of have their cake and eat it too. You'll have their um, asset that is this maybe illiquid thing or um, something that doesn't transact with more too often and have some kind of benefit that comes from you know some either leverage on top of that asset or some derivative or some other financial instrument they're using uh, to kind of have that best of both worlds. And we thought that that was something that was just inevitably going to need to come to Bitcoin and, and these, these assets. And we thought there were unique uh, technological and regulatory challenges uh, that were going to be involved in solving that kind of problem. And uh, what probably excites me and my co-founder most of <laughs> any problems that we go into is uh, the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to um, kind of be there at, at some front of learning uh, within an industry. And we thought, this was just the, the best place to be. So 
Um, and we looked at this, in fact, we're wanting to, looking at this uh, big static pool of capital, what can you do for these people? And we really settled on, on loans and leverage as kind of the first uh, key thing you'd want to unlock. So with, with leverage on your Bitcoin that, you know, say you can use that Bitcoin to get a secure loan, that can enable a whole bunch of other kinds of products. And it's really kind of the first step towards uh, kind of, I don't know, institutional nirvana or, you know, you full on acceptance within the mature financial ecosystem. As soon as you can use Bitcoin as collateral within that ecosystem, it's um, that that's almost you know, one of the last sort of key pieces to fall for it to be a, as uh, mature of an asset as we all think it can be. So we thought this was just the you know, most interesting area to work in, and, and that's uh, why we've been at it for the last two years. Joe, why do you think that trend exists to either hold your Bitcoin or just trade within? I mean, is it lack of knowledge of what is available to do with the Bitcoin or is it the fear of, you know, getting rid of your Bitcoin? Where do you think that that comes from? Yeah, we definitely, we try to dig in on this a lot with, with our early interviews with, with customers. We um, you try to determine, okay, well, if, if there was more acceptance of Bitcoin, you know, if it was easier to use on e-commerce sites, if you could use it to, to buy coffee, like would you still spend with it? And the answer is usually no. Uh, they, they would still prefer to hang on to it. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a self-reinforcing kind of thing in that uh, people have kind of watched the price go up over time. Um, maybe they did spend some Bitcoin at various points of time. You know, that person who spent the 10,000 Bitcoins on the pizza, kind of the classic uh, epitome of the story. <laughs> um, that, that, was a, you know, a 10, that was a really expensive pizza in hindsight. Um, <laughs> you know, you could have, could have just held on to it. So uh, I think that, that really happens. And as you have people... Uh, doing more hoarding, you also start to limit the supply of Bitcoin that's for sale. And so um, as people kind of turn more and more to as their Bitcoin becomes more valuable and the kind of thing they want to hang on to and put in cold storage and put in that, you know, character, that mode of not being spent in the last 12 months or more, um, then you have even less, you know, Bitcoin available for trade, which is going to have upward price pressure as long as there's still you know, incoming demand. So it's, it's an interesting kind of feedback loop that, that develops around that. So, what are the problems that Bitcoin holders may face? What are some of the the options? I mean, I'm afraid to sell. What does that mean? What are what could potentially happen? Yeah, uh, I mean, first is you know certainly security. You know, why is that? And Bitcoin holders should should study up and do their homework on, on how to you know take care of those assets, of course, and these hardware wallets or what they whether they find appropriate. Um, but then beyond that, you know, your your solutions up to till now has been only to really sell. If you want to get some benefit from your Bitcoin, you uh, there's no real like you know, credible investment products you can put them into. And this is part of where you've seen uh, you know the rise of of ICOs is also explained in part by this phenomenon that you have all this kind of static capital that uh, people are, are new, there's a new class of wealthy uh, Bitcoin holders and you know now they're kind of itching. What do I do with this? I've got millions of this Bitcoin now. Oh, here's an ICO project that might stand to, you know, I'll give me some return for sitting on this Bitcoin. I'll give it some Bitcoin, and you know, hopefully, um, see some economic value come out of it. So um, it's definitely a bigger trend than you know, just just unchained and just you know the the kinds of products we're offering to it. There is a, a whole kind of ecosystem out there that, in some regards, are helping people do stuff with their Bitcoin. But uh, but for us, is to to say, you know, the still most of the real world operates on fiat. It's not. Case you can go buy a house with Bitcoin tomorrow, or you know, go buy a business with Bitcoin. You should going to need you know, fiat for that. And then also, as you uh, would might be scared to do that because you feel like Bitcoin is still going to appreciate in price. You know, you'd rather spend in dollars and keep and save in Bitcoin. Um, we're kind of your only solution uh, that that you could take advantage of today. That's essentially 
you know, get leverage, get it at a reasonable interest rate, and use and spend that that cash, those fiat dollars, for purchases or investments, and kind of hang on to your Bitcoin. And that's that's as far as we can tell, and that's at least today. Today, if you wanted to do something, we're um, one of, or if not the only, um, kind of in operation uh, secured loan provider on Bitcoin. Is it also true, Joe, that selling your Bitcoin, you could be setting yourself up for tax issues or implications as well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. That's absolutely something uh, that Bitcoin holders face is that especially uh, if you've held on for a long while, you might have a considerable amount of capital gains that, that you've had. And as soon as you sell, you need to you'd be realizing those gains. And um, here in the United States, that'd be a taxable event. And uh, so many folks, you know, might, for whatever reason, might not want to lose on that that value and need to, to um, you know, write that check to the government. So uh, we find that you know using a, a loans product like ourselves, a leverage product, is one way to um, kind of skirt that issue and just hang on to your assets without having to pay capital gains. Let's talk a little bit more in depth about Unchained Capital. Now, who are your clients? Who are you working with? Individuals, businesses? Is there a certain demographic? Sure, you bet. So we see the most of uh, our clients and folks that come to us are individuals. Uh, we do have uh, commercial interests, and that that's, uh, represents a kind of growing fraction of our customer base, I'd say. But for the most part, the first, uh, early adopters and folks we found the most resonance with have ended up being um, you know, uh, wealthy or semi-wealthy uh, Bitcoin holders who have held Bitcoin for a while. It's appreciated considerably. They now have the hundreds of thousands or, or millions of dollars worth of this asset, and uh, that's now enough to start to want to do something interesting with. You know, in many cases, they're trying to buy uh, either a house or a piece of investment uh, real estate property. Uh, it's a very common uh, use case. Is people you know, have this asset, but it's Bitcoin. It's not, it doesn't give them a dividend. It doesn't give them any kind of income. Again, the only way to subside on it is to um, sell a little bit and pieces here and there. Uh, but you know, we offer a way to say you can, you can leverage your Bitcoin to maybe purchase an investment property that might give you a fixed income that can you know, maybe support yourself and have this, this U.S. dollar income on the side while you're also still ex- exposed um, to Bitcoin and its potential um, increase in value. So that's, that's been one use case, the uh, you know, individuals making purchases. Uh, we have individuals that want to consolidate other higher interest debt using their Bitcoin. Um, and then we even have uh, now this kind of blended individual and, and commercial use cases of folks that want to you know, buy a business, buy another small website, or expand their business somehow. Uh, miners, you know, we have uh, certain customers that are miners and use these leverage loans to purchase more equipment for mining. That's a common use case. Uh, so you know, it definitely is, is a, it's broader than just one ind- individual class of, of customer and kind of service uh, Bitcoin holders' needs overall. Sure. So tell me how this actually works. What are the services that Unchained Capital is offering? Sure. So uh, users, uh, individuals or businesses that are interested in leveraging the uh, their Bitcoin, and soon Ether, Ethereum will be supporting that uh, in the not-too-distant future. But for now, uh, folks that want to leverage their Bitcoin can come to our website, request an account. As long as they're in a state in which we can operate, which currently is about 30 states or more, um, we will send them an invite. They can come onto our platform, go through some uh, pretty simple uh, know-your-customer anti-money laundering type of checks. Uh, Once they're approved on the account level, they can uh, request a loan. Uh, they can request a loan for anywhere from $10,000 to $1 million, and they can request those for three-month terms up to two-year terms and interest rates between 10 to 14% APR. <laughs> as soon as they've put in that loan request and we send them back, uh, you know, that sort of um, package of, of documents that, that confirm all those details and, and 
spell out the actual loan agreement. Uh, once they receive those and get those back to us, we create an escrow address that is where the Bitcoin lives for the duration of the loan. It's a cold, uh, cold wallet stored uh, multi-signature vault that they deposit their funds into. And once that, that deposit is confirmed, or their Bitcoin is confirmed in that address, then we would disperse their, uh, their loan uh, amount. And once that's been dispersed, their loan is now live, and uh, they're billed on a sort of a regular monthly cycle for their interest payments. We auto-collect that from their checking accounts, and we service the loan. So that means that we work with the, the outside capital providers who provide these loans. Um, they provide the capital kind of through us. We manage the, the servicing of the loan uh, for the life of it, so we're collecting those payments, and any capital providers that they're working with, they uh, see those kind of downstream of us after the client pays it. So, Joe, if I'm looking at this type of loan, what's the difference, what's the advantage to, let's say, going into a bank and getting a loan? First, uh, first is that you know banks don't re- still don't recognize your cryptocurrency or these, these assets as kind of real assets. So depending on your profile as a person or, or business, you know, when you come in and look for a loan, they're usually looking at, uh, if you have history of the bank, that's one. You know, then they're looking at two, kind of your assets overall, like what, what's your financial picture look like for your ability to pay back this loan. And they're also probably looking at uh, you know, your credit, what's your kind of credit history look like and your credit score. Um, and so depending on your situation, those might all be things that uh, might not work out for the best loan terms or best loan interest rate for you. And so you might want to you know, look for another option like Unchained. You know, again, given that banks don't accept really Bitcoin as collateral or necessarily treat it maybe as a valid asset, if you are like many people who might find themselves in the crypto space, um, say Bitcoin rich, cash poor, um, you just don't have a financial picture for a bank that looks like anything like their traditional clients and they're more likely than not going to be comfortable working with you. Uh, so we offer folks like that an option. We don't do any credit checks. Um, that's another kind of advantage. We're not hitting you know, your your uh credit scores or digging your credit scores by doing a hard tre- credit check or anything like that. So it is somewhat you know, non-traditional in that way, and uh, we find our clients that come to us are, are coming to us for those reasons uh, overall, and as well, we would find our interest rates can be pretty competitive too. Yeah, I saw the, I read that about the, the no credit check. I'm sure that's, that's also an advantage, like you said, if you're Bitcoin rich, cash poor, that can definitely come in handy. So when it comes to the loans, is there any sort of requirement of this is what I'm using it for, you need to, you know, explain yourself to anyone like that, or is it pretty much just you have the Bitcoin, you kind of get the loan? No, there is definitely a, you know, we, we ask for the loan purpose, um, and we are careful to make sure that, you know, folks that we work with and uh, what they're putting their money towards or, you know, nothing related to any kind of criminal activity and or anything that uh, would, would, yeah, which we would be uncomfortable with in that way. So that's, um, that's a, there's a requirement for sure that you know, these aren't being used purpose for crime or anything like that. Very interesting. How secure is it? How secure is the, the holdings of the, the, the client assets? or a, Right. A, a, yeah, exactly. And if you yeah. can kind of t- walk me through also just like a, a typical loan relationship with Unchained Capital from you just, you know, you talked about the beginnings, maybe the the ongoing relationship and then how, you know, if you fulfill that loan, what does that look like in the end? Sure. Yeah, happy to. So um, in the first case, as, as to the client assets, you know, they are held in a multi-signature um, cold storage vault. Uh, that means it's a vault that's secured by multiple keys uh, that, that, are, that are necessary to uh, spend any of the or move any of the assets that are, that are held in that vault. Um, all those keys are held offline. 
all those keys at present are, are held by us. Uh, the, the organization is unchained, but they are you know, geographically dispersed. Um, so it's a fairly secure process. It's definitely engineered up to um, really high standards, and we use PCI compliance uh, standards for all of uh, customer data and any data that we do have to store on server somewhere. Uh, but you know, that does not include any keys. We don't operate any hot wallets or anything uh, of that kind. So the, the funds end up being very secure as, as to where they're stored, uh, and they're stored there for the life of the loan and only moved in the case of a, a default to say the client uh, fails to, to make an interest payment and is uh, beyond our, our due date, and uh, or at the conclusion of a loan when they pay the loan back in full, then we would uh, assemble the keys to move the assets back to an address of the client's choice. Uh, so yeah, and then you know over the life of the loan, as long as the, the loan is being serviced, or sorry, as long as the loan's interest payments are being made by the, the client, uh, all is good. And we do monitor the uh, price of the assets over time. Our loans, our standard loan terms are such that if there's a 25% price drop from the uh, origination of the loan, and that's our kind of our first collateral maintenance call. That's when we ask, would request the client to kind of rebalance their collateral up to the original ratio. Um, our ratio right now for all our loans are 50%. So if you're looking for a $100,000 loan, we require $200,000 worth of collateral. And so, again, if that ratio gets out of whack, such that you know, there's a 25% price drop, we'd ask for that to be remade. And if there's only a 45% price drop, then the loan would be considered in default. So that 25% is really in there to get people uh, a nice heads up and, and plenty of leeway to uh, rebalance the collateral that we have uh, in store for them um, so that they don't hit that 45% uh, marker. What is the average length of the loans that you're seeing? We're seeing you know, folks by between one to two years, I'd say. Uh, it's definitely kind of not too short term, but you know, we're not looking at 10, 20 year mortgages here. <laughs> Absolutely. And and if you can say, what is a, an average amount that the folks are, are getting loans for? Sure. I'd say probably low six figures would be a, an accurate average. Okay. Now, is Unchained Capital working on any other new developments or technologies that our listeners should be aware of and watching out for? Sure. Yeah, so at least a couple things. You know, one is uh, our support for uh, Ether, the asset um, for the Ethereum blockchain. Um, that's something we've had and developed for a couple weeks now, a couple months even, and is uh, just kind of coming out of internal testing and will be ready to be put out some open source code and uh, even do some bounties around likely for our our vaults um, work on that blockchain. So that's something that folks can look forward to. And uh, yeah, we have some, also mixed some exciting kind of partnerships on the, the lending capital side and, and some technology solutions that we're driving for how we work with our lenders. I can't go into too much detail yet, but uh, those, those are kind of around the corner as well. Sure, excellent. So for our listeners who are interested in getting some more information on Unchained Capital Services and loan offerings, how do I get started? Please visit us at unchainedcapital.com. Uh, you're welcome to shoot us an email as well at hello at unchained-capital.com. And as soon as you're on the site, you can just request an account or find an easy way to reach out to us. We're also on Telegram um, at uh, Unchained Capital. And yeah, if you're either looking for a loan, uh, please contact us today. Or if you are someone who might be interested in backing your loans as a capital provider, uh, please also reach out. And lastly on this, who is an ideal loan candidate? An ideal loan candidate is, uh, you know, someone who fits the kind of customer profile that I sort of mentioned as, as someone who has been a Bitcoin holder for a while now, has seen that asset uh, appreciate considerably, and wants to do something with it, and thinks they would regret selling. So if, that, if you find yourself in that situation, just totally come talk to us.
Awesome. Joe, I want to thank you so much for your time and this awesome information. This is, this is really good stuff. For our listeners, again, this is Joe Kelly, co-founder and CEO of Unchained Capital. Uh, Joe, thank you again, and we look forward to seeing where you guys go from here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.